in all the spaces that NFTs will have a long-term effect, I think music is, is probably the place where it's going to have the most effect than anywhere else. Um, and like I said, we just haven't got there yet, but I think, you know, I think it's going to be an ongoing format for music distribution. Again, not for the casual listener, but for the fan, the collector. It's easy to get lost in today's music industry with constantly changing technology and where anyone with a computer can release their own music. But I'm going to share with you why this is the best time to be an independent musician and it's only getting better. If you have high quality music, but you just don't know the best way to promote yourself so that you can reach the right people and generate a sustainable income with your music, we're going to show you the best strategies that we're using right now to reach millions of new listeners every month without spending 10 hours a day on social media. We're creating a revolution in today's music industry, and this is your invitation to join me. I'm your host, Michael Walker. All right, I'm excited to be here today with Paul Eastwood. Paul is currently the Vice President of Sports and Entertainment at Order Inbox, which is a social NFT marketplace for the metaverse, where he leads OIX's business development initiatives in the sports, music, art, and entertainment spaces. What a cool cross-section. Paul Eastwood is best known in the entertainment industry at Universal Music, where as vice president of marketing and promotion, he oversaw the marketing strategies for a roster of artists, including 50 Cent, the Black Eyed Peas, Sheryl Crow, Eminem, No Doubt, Sting, Rush, and holy cow, you've had quite quite the, the roster that you worked with. That's amazing. So today, I'm really excited to talk with him about one of the newest waves in the music industry, which is NFTs. And you know, if you're listening to this right now, then you probably, and you're in the music industry and you're looking at things and trends, then you know that NFTs are you know such a big topic of conversation right now. And there's a lot of excitement and energy and and also it's kind of like when the internet first sprouted where there's a lot of unknowns and we're kind of figuring out what's you know, what's the direction things are going to go in so super excited to connect with you today paul and thank you for taking the time to to be here hey michael great to meet you and, and thanks for having me absolutely so to kick things off i'd love to just hear a little bit about your story and how you found your way here and and, and were able to work with all those artists. Yeah, I sort of started my whole career in the music industry. I spent 15, 16 years within some of the major labels at BMG Music and Universal Music. I took a little time out from the industry and pivoted into the uh, sportswear and men's golf apparel. I grew a brand up there and we eventually sold it. And little by little, I, I got pulled back in the music industry, doing some time at the Feldman Agency, Showtech Merchandise, who did all of Rush's merchandise, and then Olay Media Management, which became Anthem Entertainment. And then some ex, other expats of the music industry contacted me because they were looking to launch a streaming service, actually, originally during the, you know, during the pandemic. And quickly, we found out that, you know, the biggest problem with streaming is artists don't want to stream because no one picked up a guitar and wrote a song so they could stare into a video camera. Like, that's you know, so, but at the same time, a lot of artists we were talking to started to ask about NFTs and what we knew about them. And it so happened at that point, one of the partners in the company was called Giger Entertainment and Technology was a foremost authority on blockchain technology and NFTs. So we sort of did a hard pivot into that space. Unfortunately, Giger never really got the traction that it needed to attract the investor money. But along the way, I met the owners of Order and Box and I signed on with them back at the beginning of April because I was really excited about the, the platform and the offerings that they had. And I just thought it was a real opportunity in a number of spaces, my background, obviously in the entertainment, but for music specifically. Mm. 
Wow. So cool. So I would love to hear your perspective on NFTs right now and, and the opportunity around NFTs. Like from your point of view, what do you think for anyone who's listening right this right now who maybe they've heard of NFTs before and they've thought about maybe even making NFTs for their music, but they're still kind of kind of trying to grasp what exactly is an NFT and why is this thing valuable? What's your take on it? Well, yeah, I think first off, we have to realize we're we're at the tip of the iceberg, you know, and I'm not even sure that we've even had that aha moment where we figured out how NFTs, particularly in the, even in the music industry, you know, how they're really going to come into effect our our lives on a day-to-day basis in in the real life in sort of ill sorry in the real world so but what i do think they provide for artists and again i don't think nfts are here to replace streaming or physical sales or anything else i think it's an addition to it's a new revenue stream that artists can look at and to make money from you know the streaming services in my opinion are never going to go away they're particularly geared for the casual listener people put on a playlist and listen while they do other things I think hardcore fans, collectors, that's who the NFT speaks to. Someone that's interested in getting something of value from an artist that they really want to support or they're a big fan of, they're the people that are going to be interested in NFTs. Hmm. Absolutely. Awesome. So it sounds like what you're saying is that you know, rather than this being something that's going to break necessarily or replace streaming or all these other things, the way that we should look at it is that this is actually a complementary revenue stream that we could potentially tap into. I see NFTs sort of in the future. The thing that's really holding NFTs back from the mainstream, there's a couple of barriers of uh, entry. On the artist side, it's rights management. But I've spoken with people both here in Canada and down in New York City that are really working hard. And I know other people are too. And that's going to get solved. And once the whole rights management thing gets solved, you're going to start to see international artists really start to get into the NFT and the major labels get into the NFT space as well. On the consumer side, and it's very close to being worked out. In fact, the flow blockchain has pretty much nailed it already, is once people can just lay down a credit card and buy NFTs and not have to worry about crypto exchanges and all that type of thing. Mm-hmm. Then we're really going to start to see, you know, NFTs, the acceptance and the usage of NFTs really grow. Mm. Yeah, that, that makes a ton of sense because it, it does seem like one of the biggest barriers to entry right now is that there's so many hoops you have to jump through in order to own and purchase an NFT and you have to sign up for your crypto wallet and you have to jump through and you have to be kind of a techie person to really, to really go through all of that. Yeah. Yeah. But like I said, the Flow blockchain with the Dapper wallet, you can pretty much use a credit card there. You're going to see more and more, maybe not even blockchains, but certainly marketplaces on those blockchains that will allow credit card usage. Already on order in box, we have a partnership with a company called Wire, where you can, without having to go through a crypto exchange from your profile in order in box, you can reload your crypto wallet. So it is getting those those barriers to entry are certainly getting smoothed over and will continue to do so. Yeah. Awesome. Man, I'm really excited to be talking with you. I mean, we, so one of those, those uh, NFC marketplaces, I'm not sure if you uh, know this or not, but we have a, a beta launch that we just did for, we're rolling out music NFT marketplace. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's how it's set up as well Is that it's, what would you call it? Like uh, the wallet is, we might from like purists from the blockchain, they might look at what we're doing and think it's not pure ownership from a standpoint of we help create the wallets. We have a modern musician wallet, mm-hmm. which allows the artist to easily transfer these NFTs without 
requiring them to jump through a bunch of different hoops just using a credit card. But that's one of the things I've geeked out about most right now is is having this this marketplace integration and making it really simple for fans and artists to create them. So definitely excited to talk with you more and kind of hear, hear your take on the whole landscape and, and hear about the service you guys are working on and, and how, how you've built it and, and what kind of makes it stand out. So maybe we could maybe we could talk a little bit about that. So so could you tell me a little bit more about what you're we you guys are working on and, and yeah. what your goals are with it? Yeah. So Art and Box was really set up for that sort of independent artist, not necessarily music, but for all the art spaces, right? Whether it's digital art, photography, or music, it was never set up, and still we have not done to this point in time any of those big sort of speculative token things, sort of like board apes. Crypto kitties, crypto punks, and I'm not here to bash those. They've certainly served their purpose. I do think if there's an NFT bubble, it'll be in that space. But Order and Box is really set up for the creator. It's more set up for artwork. So just really ease of use of minting. We've added some new features allowing for large scale collections. So you know, if you wanted to have a a piece of art that you you know wanted to offer a hundred, you know, sort of a hundred of it versus just one of ones type of thing. And also we're soon launching sort of a split wallet. So you'll be able to both in the initial sales, the sales revenues of the NFT and the secondary sales, we should talk about just to make sure everyone understands that thing. You can split it to different, uh, can go into different accounts where, why I think that's particularly of interest is when it comes to charities, you know, a lot of artists are very active with certain charities. And so particularly for heritage artists that don't want to look like they're, you know, money grabbing, they can tie in a charity. And with the blockchain technology, that charity gets paid automatically. Just as soon as that NFT is bought through their crypto wallet, through the blockchain, they get paid as well. And you're starting to see some platforms. There's one we're going to be working with shortly called the Giving Block that specializes in sort of, they're sort of an API. They're a plug-in for different charities type of thing. So I think that's one of the really other really interesting things about NFTs is the way in which they can support charities. Just to go back to that secondary royalty for a second, in case anyone isn't aware of how that works, with the smart contract that backs up an NFT, when everyone's, anyone sells that NFT again, the artist, right, the original artist always gets a chunk of the royalty, which is, you know, kind of very exciting. And I think that's why you've seen about two weeks ago, Ticketmaster has, you know, evil Ticketmaster has announced <laughs> that they are working with the Flow blockchain on some sort of upcoming thing. It's going to be interesting to see. But when you think about it, secondary sales of tickets makes a lot of sense for NFTs so that the artist is seeing a piece of that secondary sale, that resale of a ticket. Hmm. Cool. That's super interesting. One thing that I would love to dive a little bit deeper on that you had mentioned was one of the hurdles to NFT adoption right now for artists was figuring out the the copyright or the royalties mm -hmm. and the rights of those NFTs. Maybe we could talk a little bit about about that. And I would love to hear your perspective on, I know there's a lot of different strategies or ideas around NFTs. And some of them include like you get a royalty of, the, of some yeah. of the streaming royalties and, and whatnot. What's your take on if an artist is listening to this right now and was thinking about creating NFTs, do, do you think that that's a area worth pursuing is, is trying to create like percentage royalties of your streaming? Yeah. Or do you think that it's better to kind of keep it in its own space? I think it's interesting space to look at and keep your eye on. I mean, it's kind of an interesting hook 
for someone like the chain smokers who did it on the on the royal platform you know because they're a known established act and they you know sort of little reward for their fans or if their fans want to invest now we have to remember that they're only selling a portion of the streaming royalties which i think is probably because it makes sense it's sort of the sort of easiest through the dsps to track the sales of and whatnot but at the end of the day, there's still sort of a trust element. Someone at that artist side of things who is going to have to manage, you know, those statements, that incoming revenue, and then, you know, get it to you, that NFT holder, you know, mm. paying people on the blockchain. That's not the problem. The problem is like, okay, so at what point in time, someone's going to have to physically manage and administrate that incoming money from a streaming service and pay it out to you. So there's a little bit of trust that needs to happen. That doesn't happen automatically. And as if you've been on any of the platforms, you'll notice that when you click on the legal tab or the the drop, I'm trying to think of how they word it, but it's a seven page PDF of legalese. So there's a lot of legality in that. I've seen it also tried with some developing artists. So the more like you're investing in a new artist that you like, and that's been a tough go so far. I think it's an interesting space. I think we'll see more of it. But I don't think it has to be the only way to do it. That's for sure. You know? Yeah. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it's one thing that I feel like hasn't quite clicked for me just from a standpoint of, you know, there. what does this technology bring to the table that isn't possible to do any other way, right? And investing in a business or investing in something mm. it's you know it's already a use case that's there's you can do this is kind of a cool flashy new way to do it but you know it, I, don't, I don't know if that's if that's really the the unique thing that now we have, we have web3 like it's it uniquely gives us the ability to invest in assets yeah and i think also, you know, as Web3 develops more, you're going to see all the e-commerce and maybe e-commerce is not the right word to use, but all the commerce, at least coming out of Web3 will be through NFTs. And that's certainly as people become more comfortable with Web3, they'll become more comfortable with the concept of NFTs as, and again, and just remembering that an NFT is really just a digital certificate of authenticity. It says you own this type of thing. Mm -hmm. And next to that is the unlockable content. And that's a key important because that unlockable, unlockable content, the utility of the NFT, which I think is important to always remember, can be anything. It can be exclusive digital merch or even physical merch. It can be VIP experiences, either online or at shows. I was thinking today, actually, it can be used for like voting too. When an artist had a new release and you had VIP members and they could vote on different versions of songs. You know, you could ask them, they could get early access to hearing songs and pick what version should go on the album, you know, pick maybe what songs from their back catalog they're going to play in live in their next sort of concert tour. But the utility can be just about anything your imagination, you know, can really dream up. And again, there is always that resell sort of potential with an NFT. And I think that's, I think that in itself creates new opportunities that so far, I don't know of, you know, other ways of doing it. That also ensure that the artist, you know, would get paid on it. You have to remember the, the great thing about blockchain, and this is technically doable, it's not quite efficient yet, but it's going to come, is whenever a consumer was to buy a piece of music on the blockchain, everyone that contributed to that piece of music would instantaneously get paid their slice of the pie. So if you bought a song, every writer, every producer, 
everyone that's supposed to get paid their slice of money for that song could get paid. All right, let's take a quick break from the podcast so I can tell you about a free special offer that we're doing right now exclusively for our podcast listeners. So if you get a ton of value from the show, but you want to take your music career to the next level, connect with a community of driven musicians, and connect with the music mentors directly that we have on this podcast, or if you just want to know the best way to market your music and grow an audience right now, then this is going to be perfect for you. So right now, we're offering a free two-week trial to our music mentor coaching program. And if you sign up in the show notes below, you're going to get access to our entire Music Mentor content vault for free. The vault's organized into four different content pillars. The first being the music, then the artist, the fans, and last but not least, the business. When you sign up, you'll unlock our best in-depth masterclasses from a network of world-class musicians and industry experts on the most cutting-edge strategies right now for growing your music business. On top of that, you'll get access to our weekly live masterminds where our highest level modern musician coaches teach you exactly what they're doing to make an income and an impact with their music. Then once a month, we're going to have our Music Mentor Spotlight Series. And that's where we're going to bring on some of the world's biggest and best artist coaches and successful musicians to teach you what's working right now. And one of the most amazing parts is that you can get your questions answered live by these top level music mentors. So a lot of the people that you hear right here on the podcast are there live interacting with you personally. So imagine being able to connect with them directly. On top of all that, you'll get access to our private music mentor community. And this is definitely one of my favorite parts of Music Mentor and, and maybe the most valuable is that you're going to have this, this community where you can network with other artists and link up, collaborate, ask questions, get support, and discuss everything related to your music career. So if you're curious and you want to take advantage of the free trial, then go click on the link in the show notes right now and you can sign up for free. Uh, from there, you can check out all of the amazing content, uh, connect with the community, and sign up for the live masterclasses that happen every week. This is a gift for listening to our podcast, supporting the show. Um, so don't miss it out. Go sign up for free now and uh, let's get back to our interview. Now, obviously, that's a pretty big disruption for how the music industry, right? The major labels, the big publishing companies and you know, rights management companies in general do business because part of their business model has a time element. They collect revenues for artists. They get to sit on that money for a period of time, you know, somewhere between six months and 18 months, and they can do other things with that money. They can reinvest it uh, in other developing artists, or they can invest it in other sort of monetary vehicles. But that's a big disruption for the industry. People getting paid immediately for their works of art, as opposed to them getting to hold on to the money and then sort of, you know, divvy it out over time. Hmm. That's really interesting. Yeah, I never never really thought about that as a use case for NFTs is that you can just work into the royalties instantaneous payment for it. What's your take on <clears throat> it seems like we're in such a unique time with you know, web three and with the internet in general and with maybe like democracy democratization of of musicians being able to you know, have an independent music career without necessarily needing to have a record label what's your take on nfts it, maybe i think a lot of the people who are going to be listening to this right now are independent musicians mm -hmm. who may or may not have aspirations to get signed to a record label and because you hear your take on the benefits of being an independent musician as it relates to NFTs versus, you know, record labels. Are there, are what are the differences between if you're an independent artist or if you're a signed artist when it comes to making use of this unique opportunity? Well, certainly right at the gate, it's, it's rights management. They're on, you know, most 
independent artists are unencumbered by rights management. Either they own all their own royalties, or maybe they have a very simple split, you know, with either an indie label or whatever. So it's 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 a lot simpler, and certainly can be handled with all the technologies that exist today. The other thing that I was going to mention is that I, I think there was going to develop a real cottage industry of people. And I don't know what to call them yet. I don't like to use the word agents because we already use that term in a number of different ways within the music industry, but people that are going to really help facilitate artists and into the NFT space. So they'll help with sort of ideation, curation, and then promotion of the NFTs, right? So a little bit of artist handholding to get from, you know, from the music to the NFT. I do believe that is a service industry that is going to grow within the next little time. And that's what I get asked, you know, so much, you know, who can I talk to? I'm interested, you know, who can I talk to? And there just aren't a lot of people out there, you know? So the best way right now is to find platforms, marketplaces like Water and Blocks that are, you know, fairly DIY, you know, lots of instruction, lots of how-to videos. You can start to do it on, on your own. The one thing I will mention though, is doing an NFT drop is, no different than doing any other kind of musical drop or, or selling anything else. You need to promote it, right? Mm. You can't just like put it out there into the world and not let anyone know and expect anyone's going to buy it, right? Mm. So, you know, if you were, same thing, if you were putting some new music to a streaming or you were, you know, releasing something physical or whatever, you've got to promote it. And another great thing about Order and Box is that they're really, when Order and Box, you basically, you build a profile like you would at any other social media site, but you, it's easy to link that to your sort of more common sites like Twitter, Instagram, those type of things, because self-promotion obviously as an independent artist is key. And so all I'm saying is here is if you're going to do an NFT drop, understand that you need to promote it like you would anything else a show and or any other release of new music. Mm. Yeah, that, that makes a ton of sense. The the analogy that we that we used to describe that all the time is the that it's kind of like building a fire and you know just cuz you have the logs which in this case might be like the NFTs if all you do is you just drop in a fire pit nothing happens. Like you need a way to generate traffic, you need to promote it, you need to generate the flames or the spark. So it sounds like what, what you're saying is that, you know, it's like anything, it's really important to work out a promotion strategy to, if you do create NFTs using order in blocks that you need to, or order in box, then you need to make sure that you have a good intention or a good strategy, a good sequence around how you're going to, re going to release it and build an audience around it. So I would love to hear your perspective on, as an independent artist right now, what are some of the biggest opportunities for them to be able to build an audience, especially if they're maybe starting out and they don't have a much, they don't have like really funding, like from a third party investor or record label. And they're, let's imagine this is someone who's like wickedly talented. Someone mm -hmm. who's like has amazing music. That's not the problem. But now they're just looking at, okay, how can I put it in front of the right people, start building an audience and, and actually build demand for creating NFTs on order and box? Yeah, well, I don't, again, I don't think that's any different than anything you do anywhere else. I mean, social media has become a great tool, you know, for artists. I happen to believe that, you know, going out and playing live is still a really important part of, of building your audience. Not that every artist, you know, does do that. The one thing we should mention here is that NFTs, the digital files required to do an NFT are really our, our simple files we have already, right? So, you know, MP3s actually, because the, 
the music needs to have a cover shot and mp4 is always better to have so it becomes more of a still video if you will but you know we're not talking about complex digital assets to build your nft you know as soon as you have a mix of your music that you're happy with and you have a good quality you know mp3 mp4 file of it and either some artwork or if you don't have a video but a good still i mean you can build an nft and i think the big important thing is to not wait until you think you've got everything perfect but to try something there are no rules out there believe me i follow all the pricing for different nfts and different drops and the pricing is literally all over the place obviously as a new artist you have to be, you know, you're not going to be putting teas out there for hundreds of dollars type of thing. But, you know, take a look around. It's like anything. You wouldn't sign with a label or a manager without doing your research, talking to other artists, seeing what they offer. Same thing with NFT platforms. You have to do a little bit of homework and see what they offer, see what they charge and find out what's a good fit for you. And then once you've done that, then I think it's time to just like experiment. Just do a drop of 10 NFTs and maybe, you know, price them at $10, whatever it is. The only way you're going to learn from this, and like I said, there are no rules, is to try things. And the more you try it, you know, the better you are going to be at it and the more following you'll have too. But that's the big mistake we see with NFTs is people just a little bit scared to put their toe in the water, but they should. You don't need to, you don't need to jump into the deep end and have all this like different stuff. But like, put, get your foot in the water, do a drop, see how it goes. Mm. Totally. That, that makes a ton of sense. And yeah, in, in the analogy of starting a fire, it's kind of like you, you do need to drop the logs into the fire pit. It's like you need to do something. If you just yeah. are carrying around the logs, then it can be exhausting. And at some point you need to test out and put something in the fire pit. Yeah. I mean, you wouldn't just, if you're lucky in a hat, lucky enough to have sort of, you know, still a record or music store, you know, in the city that you live that does some sort of consignment with like hard copy or vinyl, whatever, you, you know, you wouldn't put it in there and not tell anyone. It's the same thing with NFTs, right? Hmm. You've got to like, you know, nurture the, the sale a little bit. And I still think that social media is probably the best way. And, you know, if you happen to have a website and are able to collect email addresses, email still a really great way to get in touch with to keep in touch with your fans. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah, it seems like email is an unspoken champion of online business. It's never kind of gone away, you know, as all these other things come back and there are free services like MailChimp that you can use to a certain degree, right? That, uh, that are really easy to use. And email just continues to, you know, people assuming people are opting in which they should be in a positive way you know people want to hear from you and so people don't mind getting that email from you like as long as it's not too often to hear about what you're up to you know to hear about a new tour or new music or whatever it's the reason they signed up because they're interested mm, absolutely yeah so we we have a software as a service called street team that we just released about four months ago and it does two-way text message conversations. So it kind of does what community does in terms of text messaging. Mm-hmm. And then it has email sending back and forth as well. So it kind of does what MailChimp does. But but we designed it for musicians specifically to build awesome. their quote-unquote digital street team. Um, so there might be actually some alignment there. We, we could build like a custom API integration with order in box or some something on the NFT front could be really cool. Yeah, for sure. But 100%, it seems like... 
You know, this is something that almost every online business owner that I've connected with understands this deeply, that email and their list, their custom, their CRM list oh, yeah. is such, like the num- one of the number one most valuable assets to their career. But it seems like it's one of those things that is easy to overlook because maybe social media is more on the surface, like it's a bit more apparent and mm-hmm. sexy on the, on the surface, I guess. I'd love to hear you talk a little bit about, I mean, it seems like you have a, a ton of experience and, and wisdom when it comes to marketing and promotion strategies for some major major record label artists even. So I'd love to hear your take on right now, how to get the best of both worlds when it comes to social media, but also with building an email list, building a contact list that really is a long-term asset that you own that's not you know, potentially going to die no. in a year or so. I mean, yeah. I mean, that's one of the great things about Heritage Rock Acts. They seem to have been the smartest ones. And I spent some time working with, you know, the rush guys. And when I say the rush guys, I should really talk about the people around them, their management team, their merchandise team. And they've been very smart, you know, about cultivating their family. They have a great fan base, a very active fan base. They've been very smart about cultivating and keeping in contact with them. But so about there are a lot of heritage rock acts. Iron Maiden is another one. Metallica, obviously, right? It does seem a little bit like it's it's more in that sort of metal power rock side of things. They're Because their fan bases are known, obviously, right? For being very uh, active. So yeah, I just think that, You've got to be able to do sort of all of that. You know, it's sort of that all of above type of thing. You know, to me, the streaming services are just sort of like big national radio chains. You know, they have the power now that the big radio chains used to have, right? For exposing people to music. And while I think it's great, you know, I think it would be better. You know, competition is always better. I'd like, wish there were more streaming services than there are. I think that would obviously be good for artists all over the place. But I think there are more opportunities now for independent artists. I think competition is certainly increased, right? The major labels used to be, of which, you know, there used to be like six, and now there are only three. While they were gatekeepers, it helped sort of weed out a little bit made it harder for independent artists to get noticed, but it sort of weeded out. I don't want to say bad music, but like, you know, the strong survive type of thing. Mm -hmm. And now just with independent music sort of flourishing and anyone being able to really put up a video on YouTube or whatever, just the competition is, is that much, there's just more out there. There's more volume. And I think, Mm -hmm. you know, which just means that unfortunately, aside from honing your craft, you know, being your, your playing ability, your songwriting ability, your vocal ability, you have to be, become business savvy as well. You know, and I always find there's one guy in the band, right. Or one person, sorry, in the band, that's sort of the more business leaning, right. There's always someone in that band that looks after more of the business than someone else, or you've got to find, you know, a good manager. And of course, more and more, we're seeing these, what used to be just management companies being more like management companies, but indie labels, but doing their own marketing as well. You know, the industry, I mean, it, like any industry, it's, it re- continues to be in a state of change, right? Anything common. And the only thing that stays the same in the world is change, right? So. hundred mm. percent. Yeah. I think that's one of my favorite quotes and just ideas is that, yeah, that's the one, the one thing that, that doesn't change is that everything is always, always changing. And- yeah. The only thing in this world that's constant is change, I think is the quote, but and we're seeing major labels. I don't think they ever want to get left out like they did with the internet back in, 
you know, the, at the turn of the century type of thing with the advent of the internet and then Napster, of course, right? They don't want to be left out. So all the major labels have sort of invested and even some of the major independent labels, they're certainly partnering up with NFT. They're, they're making sure they've got a sort of partner in the space. They don't want to get left out. So they'll be there too. Like I said, when the rights management thing gets dialed in and it will certainly over time, technolo technology will solve it for sure. You're going to see more and more international artists get into the NFT space. And I think it'll be, you know, they'll become like, you know, this back in the day of bricks and mortar, a lot of the major accounts would get different sort of versions of an album. Like when a major release came out, right? Some of them would have extra tracks, you know, Japanese releases used to have extra tracks, that type of thing. I think that's what you'll see in the NFT space before or as something, an album gets streamed, you know, there'll be NFTs with extra tracks, bonus material, that type of thing. You know, mm. I think you'll see digital box sets become NFTs. To me, that's kind of exciting too, right? But uh, yeah, I think in all the spaces that NFTs will have a long-term effect, I think music is, is probably the place where it's going to have the most effect than anywhere mm. else. Um, and like I said, we just haven't got there yet, but I think, you know, I think it's going to be an ongoing format for music distribution. Again, not for the casual listener, but for the fan, the collector. Mm. Awesome. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that assessment. And I, I'd love to hear your thoughts on NFTs versus streaming instead of the, the because you mentioned that yeah, I don't think streaming is going anywhere, right? So streaming is, is here to stay. There's some benefits to streaming. But from your point of view, what, which platform, or if, if an independent artist was listening to this right now, and they're kind of hedging their bets and they're thinking, okay, I have a limited amount of time, limited amount of resources. Where should I really invest my energy in order to get the best return right now and have the best shot of building a successful career? Would you recommend that they lean towards NFTs or another strategy? And specifically like NFTs versus streaming, do you think that streaming as a revenue stream is, is something that long-term is going to be one of the major revenue streams? Or do you think that NFTs are going to kind of way surpass streaming in terms of an actual revenue stream for artists? Yeah, I think, again, I think we're talking about two different consumers of music, right? In that the streaming really lends itself to the casual consumer. Guys like you and I, we're fans, right, of music. We listen, like, I like, I, want, I have, feel like listening to this album or I feel like listening to this artist right now. I don't tend to put on, I happen to use, use Tidal as a streaming service. And when I put it on, you know, it's either a playlist that I built of my own of a band or it's a certain album or something that I want to listen to. And so the streaming will always be there. I think the revenue from, stream, from streaming will get sorted out. It's a hot topic. It will continue to be a hot topic. You know, the streaming model reminds me a little bit of the old Columbia Record Club thing. You know, that's where you get, what was it? You get, you know, a hundred CDs for a dollar or whatever type of thing, right? These subscription type services and the major labels loved it because they got these huge advances and then they trickled out the royalties to the artists. And it's, it's a little bit what's going on today. And I don't want to go too far down that rabbit hole, but I do think with time, with technology, there will be more equitable payments for artists from the streaming services. But with NFTs, of course, the artist gets to control the revenues, right? They can set the price. They can set the quantity. Scarcity means value. So if you want to do a limited edition and you only want to press a thousand copies for the world, 
I shouldn't have said press, mint, you know, a thousand copies of this NFT for the world that creating scarcity and price it as you will. Certainly as an independent artist, it's cheaper to make an NFT than it is to go press vinyl, you know, or press a CD at this point in time to sell at your shows. You know, I have seen independent artists do things where, you know, handing out sort of special discounts or special codes for NFTs for people that attend their shows and then can go online and buy NFTs at a, a special price or unlockable content, you know. But there's some really interesting ways to tie live performances in with collecting NFTs too. You're going to see that, I think, that's probably one of the things you're going to see from Ticketmaster. Uh, in fact, the NFL is kind of doing it like the NFT ticket is becoming your collector item. The way people, some people like to collect ticket stubs. And as we all know, paper ticket stubs are kind of going away as we're getting tickets digitally on our phones and our devices. So to give it sort of the experience, a bit of a commemorative piece, tease along with your, you know, when you buy a ticket, at least becomes at least a, di a digital commemorative piece for attending that show. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So, so it sounds like what you're saying is that, you know, streaming and, and NFTs, they, they just hold different spaces, right? So, so streaming is for a different kind of user as opposed to tease or someone who's maybe more has wants more ownership or is more of a fan or more want, a collector is something that just kind of serves a different, a different need. Uh, maybe we could talk a little bit more about that idea of scarcity. I, I guess w one question, and I'm, I'm sure you get this question a lot, and I, I've certainly heard this question a ton, is because we're still kind of early on with NFTs, and there's a lot of different things that could be an NFT, there's just a, a lot of confusion around what exactly is an NFT and why, why is this thing valuable? I'd say that's one of the biggest questions. Like, why, does this, why is this thing worth more money when I can just stream it online, right? If I can enjoy it right now, then, you know, like, and it's basically the same digital file, like what makes that more valuable? So from, from your point of view, what is it that makes an NFT of a song that you can stream more valuable to own versus the streaming song, which someone can, you know, just listen to online? Yeah, I think it's really the utility, the unlockable content that only the owner of that NFT gets. Right. So I would never suggest to someone that you just NFT a song, right? Because, you know, it could be shared, right? That MP3 can be shared, but in that NFT, there should be some unlockable content, right? And either make that some digital merch, or maybe it's a different mix uh, of the song, you know, depending, especially if in for EDM artists. And of course, EDM music has adopted NFTs a lot quicker than a lot of the other sort of formats, sorry, or genres of music, but the unlockable content, give, you know, to use a marketing term, a value add, give them something else, right? Like maybe it's a membership, so they will get notice of your next, you know, music drop type of thing, or when they're going to tour or a discount even on, you know, the next NFT type of thing. But yeah, I think just to say, well, we're going to do 10 NFTs of this song, and then people can share the MP3, of course, with anyone that they want. So have something just a little, you've got to have something a little bit extra, you know, and it doesn't have to be expensive, but it needs to have the utility of the, of the NFT needs to be more than just, just that digital piece of art that comes with it, right? Whether it's that MP3 of music or a photograph, if you happen to be an artist type of thing. But again, hmm. it's the unlockable content. It's the, it's the utility of the NFT that really drives 
the value. Hmm. Cool. Yeah. So, so it sounds like what you're saying is that the NFT in and of itself can be amplified by actually granting that utility, by granting unlockable content that's exclusive to someone who owns the the NFT. And that's probably one of the easiest ways to really demonstrate extra value, right? It's just by saying like, hey, when you get this, you also get this other thing. That's that's really cool. And so that makes a lot of sense just in terms of this clear value that's easy to demonstrate and understand. One, I forget where I heard this analogy, but this was one thing that, that really helped kind of click it, click into place for me was, was thinking about the Mona Lisa and how the Mona Lisa is worth $800 million for the original Mona Lisa. And when you, when you think about it, you know, what, what makes that Mona Lisa worth $800 million when nowadays you can basically recreate the Mona Lisa and hang a decoy side by side. So almost most people wouldn't be able to tell the difference between the real Mona Lisa and the decoy. And you could share the decoy. You could print out a bunch of different, you could hang it up on your wall. You could enjoy the artwork. You could do everything that you want with that Mona Lisa. But when it comes down to it, one Mona Lisa is worth $800 million and the other one's worth you know, $30. And like, and why is that? And, you know, it's not necessarily because, you know, with this Mona Lisa, you get the copyright to it. You can resell it because that's not the case. You don't get the copyright with the Mona Lisa, but it's still worth $800 million. Right. And it's not necessarily because, you know, when you own the Mona Lisa, you also unlock, you know, membership access to a private downtown area. Although, I mean, there probably certainly are some rep, like status based, like, you know, you own the Mona Lisa. It's pretty, it's pretty dang cool. Yeah. But there is an aspect to just the tangible, like the owning of the, of an asset, the original one of a kind, you know, verified, authentic, one of a kind asset that it seems like that's one thing that's maybe a bit harder to fully like grasp with NFTs. But ultimately, if they're like, why is it that you can buy the Mona Lisa for $800 million but let it let it be by the Beatles. You've never been able to buy for more than a dollar, right? Like there's just like a mismatch in value yeah. opportunity there. Yeah, yeah. The reproduction issue is is you know you can reproduce the Mona Lisa, but like there's still just one of one at the end of the day, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Still just that one that was made by the artist type of thing. Yeah. So when it comes to NFTs and scarcity and value, yeah, I think you'll see particularly in the sports entertainment world. You'll notice when sports figures do drops of, of NFTs, you'll see different levels, right? They'll have a rarity of one rarity and you'll be like, it's, oddly, it's usually based upon whatever their sports number is. Well, let's say they're number 87. So like one line might be like, there's a hundred of these at $870 each, right? But there's only a hundred of them. And then there's a thousand of this one, but they're $87 type of thing. And then we have to remember, you can also do auctions for NFTs, right? You can have reserve auctions where you set a price. And once that someone, you know, hits that reserve, then you can set the time for how long the auction goes to as well. So you could have, I mean, again, as you become more, you have a more of a following, not just super for the independent artist, but let's say you have started to have a certain following and you had a tour coming up, you could do an NFT, an auction for a meet and greet type of thing, right? Or some sort of VIP package that was a one of one and, you know, people would bid on it type of thing. So that's always kind of an interesting uh, way to generate funds as well, right? Is just that whole auction thing versus just a hard sell of NFTs. But it's all about the value proposition. It's all about the scarcity. Hmm. Cool. 
Man, well, I, I love this conversation. I love geeking out on on the future of the music industry and, and NFTs. And it's so cool that, that you guys are building this platform to kind of help to bridge the gap between the end user and make things as streamlined as possible for, for fans and not just the, the artists or people who are like technical or, or into Web Web3. Do you have something to add to that? Yeah, no, this two things. There will right now, of course, when you mint on one blockchain, you can't necessarily sell those those assets on other blockchains. But that sort of inter-blockchain technology, that's not far off too, right? So that's going to really open up the market sizes, right? That you can market to once all these blockchains are able to speak to each other. Another point that I think is very important to artists, I, in fact, I know it is, is some of the misconceptions about the energy that blockchain uses. And yes, the old proof of what's called proof of work blockchains used a ton of energy, like a ton. But the new ones, the proof of stake blockchains use like 95.95 less percent, like they're much more energy efficient and blockchains will continue to become even more energy efficient with technology for sure. But just be aware that even the original Ethereum network, which was a proof of stake has just, we're just actually going through the, what's called the merge to their layer two blockchain that will be a proof of stake and, and much more energy efficient. So in most cases, most of the new blockchains, the Polygon blockchain, Solana blockchain, Flow blockchain are all proofs of stake. So just be aware that like, yes, early blockchains like Bitcoin, like Ethereum, certainly were big energy eaters, but the new ones are much more energy efficient because I know I know of a couple of artists that were going to mint NFTs and their fans kind of pushed back on it because of not being so green and they didn't. Mm -hmm. And I think that's too bad because they just, they still could have had they just chosen a right blockchain or maybe didn't even know that there was that available to them. Mm. Yeah. Th thanks for bringing that up. That, that's a really important one. Cause I, I know there's quite a few artists I've talked to that was their main concern was, was for them and for their, their, how their fan base would react to it because the old proof of work was so incredibly energy inefficient yeah. and i think it was maybe flow that released an article on their blockchain that that the energy that it takes on flow using the new model takes less energy to mint an nft than it takes to do a single google search or to post a single photo on instagram yeah, yeah i've seen that too and that yeah yeah they that's a cutting edge blockchain for sure they i've followed the flow thing for a while because my previous company gigger was actually looking to mint on flow and it's only just recently that flow has opened up the dapper wallet to some to many more market places and platforms it's going to be interesting to see how they do but uh they've partnered up with a lot of big sports franchises as well, right? NBA Top Shots, NFL All Day, La Liga, UFC. So yeah, it's going to be really interesting just to see the how the, com the competition between all the blockchains plays out in the long run. You know, who's being smart about it? Who's uh, not? Like I said, I remind everyone, we're at the tip of the iceberg on this mm -hmm. thing. And while, you know, NFTs do use cryptocurrency, there really is a separation between NFTs and their utility and cryptocurrencies, which are essentially just that they're currencies, right? Mm. And they have an ebb and flow, like almost all the other currencies and markets out there. And, you know, you're never going to be able to predict those, but I think, mm. I do believe NFTs are here to stay. And I do think they're going to play a very important role in the distribution of music in the future. It allows musicians, creators to have that one-on-one -on -one exchange with their fans. It's 
between the artist and the fan. And I think whenever you can do some of that and circumvent the gatekeepers, I think that's a positive thing. Hmm. I think having totally. worked for a gate, having worked for a gatekeeper before. It's <laughs> so cool. Yeah, that that really is just the. It seems like at the the core of the movement, really, has been about connecting and and bringing bringing artists closer to their fans. And the internet has really opened that up. And now NFTs can give ownership in a way that that wasn't wasn't able to for for a long time. So cool. Well, hey, Paul, thank you so much for taking the time to hop on here. I, I love talking about this and what you guys are building is super cool. So I, I'm sure we'll be in touch. And I'd love to connect on maybe partnering up on like building a custom API integration with, with Order and Box. So yeah. thank you so much. And for anyone who's listening or watching this right now who would be interested in checking it out and potentially you know minting an NFT and, and using the Order and Box platform, what's the best place for them to go to learn more? Well, you should really take a look. And like I said, you should do your research on whatever platform you're thinking minting on. Some platforms actually help with marketing too. So that's an important thing that, you know, if an, if a platform like Order and Box has a mailing list that they're willing to, you know, utilize to help you promote your drop, then that's something you should always consider. Yeah, you should really go to orderandbox.com. Orderandbox is all one word.com. And you will only be able to see the marketplace, but to really experience it, you need to connect your crypto wallet to it. So you need to have a crypto wallet connected to it. And then that allows you to build a profile like you would in any other social media platform. And then you can start connecting with other collectors, other artists, and really see you know, what it's all about. So cool, awesome. Well, like always, we'll put the show notes, the links and, the, and everything in the description for the, for the show for easy access. And yeah, man, it's been great talking with you. I really appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, to thanks, Michael. It's, it's a fun, fast-moving subject. I'm you know, obviously excited about it. And yeah, I like, I like talking about it. So thanks for your time and the opportunity today. Yeah, you bet. Yeah! Hey, it's Michael here. I hope that you got a ton of value out of this episode. Make sure to check out the show notes to learn more about our guest today. And if you want to support the podcast, then there's a few ways to help us grow. First, if you hit subscribe, then I'll make sure you don't miss a new episode. Secondly, if you share it with your friends or on your social media, tag us. That, that really helps us out. And third, uh, best of all, if you leave us an honest review, it's going to help us reach more musicians like you who want to take their music careers to the next level. The time to be a modern musician is now, and I look forward to seeing you on our next episode. <laughs>